0: Fear exists for a reason. It is either there to tell us that we're in danger, which is good. Avoid the danger. That's probably wise. We want to avoid danger. But it's also there to push us up against the comfort zone. So we should probably listen to it. Mm-hmm. It's also a signal. So we need to actually like listen to fear and tell us when when we're when we're going to it. So do be afraid. Do yeah. experience the fear. And then let it be a guide to the direction you should go as far as what you should pursue. And don't let it keep you from what you should pursue. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast.
1: Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, we've got a guest on the show that I'm super excited to have a conversation with. Um, Adam Hill, who has a podcast himself called Flow Over Fear. He is the CEO of a major, major uh, legacy corporation that runs several generations deep, which I'm always inspired by that. Um, a big family company that we get into a little bit. But also, Adam has overcome some challenges as you know many people who are successful in life have. And I just love this guy's energy, his perspective, just the light that's in his eyes. I know that sounds crazy and you're not going to really get to see his eyes, but this man is just full of life and wisdom. And so I'm just really excited to bring you this episode. I feel like Adam's one of those guys that, um, this sounds cliche, but the way he does one thing is the way he does everything. And I feel like he's just excellent in so many areas of his life. And, you know, his story of overcoming, alcoholism and turning that energy into, you know, being a top athlete in the world. Just a crazy story. And um, so, again, just excited to bring this to you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Yeah, I'm super excited, um, you know, as I said during the intro to have Adam Hill on the show. Um, We just had a great conversation offline. I've had the privilege of being on his show recently and just hearing a little bit about his story, his family background um the business that he's in and also the transition that he's making. I'm just really excited. So Adam, thanks for being on the show, man.
0: Oh, my pleasure. It's an honor. I'm a I'm a big fan.
1: Thank you. Appreciate yeah, it, Yeah, man. Well, let's jump into the four questions and then I'm really excited to kind of dissect this because you know, if there's one thing that I think I've learned in Goabundance that I was never really exposed to, it's it's the conversation around legacy and you know, I I'd thought a little bit about it previous to being in Goabundance, but I've never really been around people that you know, had conversations around why we're doing this and, and what second gen and third gen and all that looks like. And, and just, you know, the little bit of time that I've been able to chat with you over the last, you know, couple months, I I realized that, um, you've got a lot of experience in that area, but before we get into any of that, who's had the greatest impact on your life?
0: Greatest impact on my life is probably my, I, I I'd have to, I've thought about this question a lot. And of course, you know, my father has a lot of impact on me being in a family business and things like that. I, I have to say it's it's really my network of sobriety. I mean, if I can choose more than one, and I don't know if there's any rule against that.
1: No, no but, rules. Um,
0: but yeah, my network of sobriety that helped me transition out of that really difficult part of my life into a new life of sobriety has been incredibly powerful for me, most powerful in my life. Wow.
1: How long, like, what what's that journey been like?
0: It's been, uh, so I'm, I'm, I've am I'm i been sober 11 years, uh, sober from alcohol. Uh, that was my drug of choice. I never really got into any of the other drugs. And that really, I started down the path of problem drinking, probably in my 20s. Started really drinking in my, you know, late teens. So I didn't really, I, I kind of got a late start as far as that's concerned. But it develops into problem drinking over the course of years. And by the time it got problematic, it was just like, you know, I was just chasing that first feeling that it gave me and um so and and part of the reason i continued to drink so heavily was because it really it, it especially at the beginning helped me to become more comfortable in my own skin and uh and then i i felt that that became my skin at that point it was like that was what where i was comfortable and i was just uncomfortable being uh you know living as a sober person the anxiety the fear all of this all this stuff, it just didn't, it, it it was, that's how I, my life was kind of shaping out. So it's just this kind of my, my life over that decade of being an active alcoholic was just uh, uh, kind of this vicious cycle of trying to navigate my life with tons of fear and anxiety throughout the course of the day and making it to be able to drink and to darkness at night. That was my uh, life. And then, so I eventually got sober and, um, and yeah, that, that's kind of where the, the network of sober sober people helped
1: me because they
0: helped me to learn and navigate as a as a human being.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I have a question, and and I've I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Lately, maybe the last year and a half, two years, um, as I've started to, you know, wrestle with the idea of not drinking, not drinking as much, having conversations. But I feel like maybe maybe, maybe this is maybe this is just my reticular activator being activated. But I feel like, you know, back in the day it was like either conversations around I'm sober, mm-hmm. which means like I had some kind of train wreck in my life or one coming, um, and I'm just done, or or no conversation around it. And and again, maybe this is why I'm interested in in your viewpoint on it. Maybe it's just because I'm aware of it or the circle that I've been, you know, hanging around with for the last couple of years. But I feel like there's a bigger conversation happening around, not like, Hey, I'm sober, but Hey, like this isn't benefiting me in any way. And I'm just not going to drink as much or, you know, maybe ever we'll just see, am I just becoming aware of it or, or is that more common?
0: If you're becoming aware of it, I think it's me becoming aware of it too, because I, I feel the same way. I do feel like a lot of people are just, you know, maybe lessening their relationship with alcohol, uh, to, because they're seeing it as a, as either a distraction in their own life, a, a a way of minimizing their true potential, something like that. But I, I also see it as, you know, coming out of COVID and, you know, like the lockdowns and things like that, I found, I, I learned a lot about people just kind of leaning into those kinds of things a bit more. You know, a lot more people were becoming more uncomfortable in their own mm-hmm. skin. And maybe this is me kind of with that, um, you know, just being more aware of it because I've experienced it. But, um, but I think that it it may be just we're seeing a little bit of the of the two extremes where I think more people are leaning into things like alcohol to maybe uh, help numb their pain. Mm -hmm. But more people I think are also recognizing that it's not serving them, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think the conversation, the fact that we're more open about it, more authentic about it more that I think that ultimately is a great thing. Because we should stop, we should stop stigmatizing it.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I can honestly say that there's been some, there's been some times over the years, you know, Karen, and I didn't drink from, like, I stopped drinking when I was like 18, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is crazy, right? I, um, I, I drank a ton when I, I mean, I started drinking when I was in seventh grade and, and I stopped drinking by the time I was 18. And then we were going to church and we didn't, we didn't drink for like years. And then all of a sudden, one day we just like had a glass of wine and, um, and then during COVID it was like glass of wine turned into like two bottles of wine. And, um, anyway, I can honestly say, you know, there's been some times over my life where I had, I had a drinking problem. Um, and what, and what it really was, was not even that I was drinking every day as much as like when I would start drinking, like I just couldn't shut it off. Yeah. And yeah. and so like the thing that I'm like, this is why I was kind of sharing all this too. There's a great friend of mine who I had on one of the previous episodes. His name's Mike Chu. And I've really appreciated the conversation with him because he didn't have a drinking problem. He just realized that it was like, well, maybe he, I think we all have a drinking problem if we have a drinking problem. But it wasn't like, a, you know, this was destroying his life. He was just like, I want to be the best version of me. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if that's like part of the conversation too, is there's just so many, you know, I think the world's moving faster and faster and, and things are, you know, I think timeframes are collapsing, whatever that means to everybody. And, and I wonder if that's part of the conversation too. There's like, you know, you can put them in different groups. Like there's people that like, I just, I have, I have a problem. I need to quit. And then you talk about numb. Like I just drink Mm -hmm. all the time and, and it's just dragging me down and I don't know what feeling good feels like. And then there's people like Mike that are just like, I'm just done because this is just not serving me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that that's, I think there's a lot, I, I can actually relate to that a lot uh, because I've lived on kind of both sides of the spectrum where it was like, yeah, I was drinking to numb the pain and I would, I would really, and, and, it, and it was specifically to, uh, you know, get over this pan, these panic attacks, these, this anxiety that I felt that I felt I couldn't control and then I couldn't control my drinking and, uh, and, and, I would set the rules for myself, like, well, don't drink before five o'clock p.m., you know. Then, and don't drink on weeknights. And if I w- was successful at that, I could convince myself, okay, so I'm not a problem drinker. I, I still have a job. I'm not sleeping behind a dumpster. I had all of these, all of these opinions or or stigmas about what alcoholism looked like, and I didn't fit in that that category that I put it into. So of course, I wasn't problematic. Then, then I. The point I realized that I was like, okay, well, I've completely lost control. I have no control over my life was I got a DUI, which was my non-negotiable. I would not drink and drive. Mm. And, you know, I didn't just get a DUI. I mean, I got in a DUI accident, which was Mm. like, you know, fortunately, nobody was hurt. But, um, but that, that was like the moment of, okay, I'm not a danger to myself. I'm a danger to others. Mm. And, um, but with, you know, and, and after kind of making that transition into getting sober, I realized after a time, and this kind of gets to your point about like people, you know, people kind of realizing, well, I, I, I have, there's more in me that there's more that I can become if I just do this. I realized after about a year of sobriety that I'd done something that I hadn't been able to do, like that I, that I never thought that I could do, which was get sober. And I did so through community. I did so, you know, with this framework and it was just such a powerful realization for me. It was like, well, wow, what's, what's next? You know, what else can I do? And I just started to kind of apply the same level of i mean let's say obsession, if you will, to my diet and my my fitness and my training and I was like, well, I think the best the best test of of physical skill would be an Ironman, and so I'm gonna go after that, but I want to go like you know see how 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 great I can be i want to be i want to become one of the best and that was just my mentality of like how i how I did that, and that started my journey of like now I just wanna be in the top physical health because I've never been able to do this before because I always had that that alcohol piece of me which was the, the essentially the point that the, the thing that prevented me from doing all of these other things yeah so so that's kind of where that took me and yeah I mean if you're it, like anything else if you're willing to put in the work to that degree of commitment and discipline, the world's your oyster. you can really achieve whatever you want to as long as you're willing to put in the work.
1: Yeah. You know, as you're saying all that too, like I'm sitting here thinking about it and not that we have to, you know, ask for different levels of challenges in life. But when you hear somebody's story about, you know, I was successful and then I went bankrupt and I lost everything and I had to like, you know, come back from it. It's almost like that's a lot better than being mediocre, you know, your entire life. And when I'm like listening to this, I'm just thinking back to, I think it was also 2020, maybe it was 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided to do 75 hard for the first time. And a lot of people will, you know, bash on 75 hard. Um, and I understand why, cause it's like these, you know, sprints versus, you know, finding a healthy lifestyle. But the thing that 75 hard did for me, two things, it made me realize I can go 75 days without having a drink and be yeah. okay with it. Um, it also made me realize that, you know, I can go to events. I went to, you know, multiple events, go abundance events and have fun. And it also made me realize that like, if I can work out two times a day, for 75 days, then I have no excuse to not at least move my body one time a day. And so I think it's like, I don't want to be one that asks for like, I'm an extremist. And I think a lot of successful people and people that are listening to this podcast, we're like extreme. So we need like, we need these extreme things going on in our life. And, you know, I don't want to ask for but I think just sometimes even back to sobriety, it's like, I feel like it's almost easier when you have this major event or events in your life that are like, Cold turkey, I'm done. Then just battling through being kind of numb.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That and that that makes a lot of sense because yeah, I mean, there's a there's something called a, a dry drunk person, right? I mean, especially for those people that like feel like they're forced to get sober or something like mm-hmm. that, they they still live through their life with the ism, you know? They they don't resolve the deeper issues, and that's the important part. The alcohol itself was just a that that was just the the outlet. That was just the thing. It was the it was the vehicle to address all or to to cover up, to suppress all of that garbage that was inside of me. And so, yeah, I, I think a lot of people do do that is is they just they don't get down to the root of, of it and, and really start to unravel what what it is that they needed to, to improve upon to make their life, you know, abundant and wonderful and you know, that exists just beyond like putting down the bottle. It exists like, you know, in, in, in cover these. So, so your point about 75 hard, I always, I kind of make fun. I'm one of the, I'm in the camp of always kind of picking on a little bit and the 90 day programs and things like that. I do that a little bit in my book, but I, but one of the, but the beautiful thing about it is exactly what you said. There's this point between like 60 and 90 days. That's where a habit is formed. Mm-hmm. That's where we realize what we're capable of. And that's where like, you know, the routine is, is really, really imprinted. And so there's no secret that that's why the, that period of time is so important. And so doing anything over that period of time, it just kind of clicks into our brain that, yeah, we can, we can do this longer if we really want to.
1: Yeah. You know, and it's interesting too, because I think sometimes, like, again, if, if I had some, which i probably have had some major events that probably I should have said I should stop drinking, <laughs> but you know, going through, like, I'm just thinking about after 75 hard, there's been a lot of windows in my life since then, where I went a period of time without drinking And before then it was just like, it's kind of interesting. We're like on this. I don't know if it's me that needs to hear this or someone else, but um, there's been a lot of periods of time where I'm, I'm just, I'm not drinking for a while. And, and I mean, even just the thoughts around, you were talking about, you know, just kind of creating, I don't think this is how you said it, but I was, this is how I was hearing it, you know, just a different routine or identity or whatever. And the one thing that I realized like was 75 hard, the hardest thing for me about not drinking alcohol was developing a different evening routine it wasn't really the alcohol itself it was just like it's 5 30 what, what like what, what do i do now i'm bored right. you know and it was <laughs> like so i had to just start creating like karen and i would just have dinner and then we'd go on a walk and you know i'd have to do a second workout half the time and um so half of it's just patterns man
0: yeah yeah it really is i i i have a i have a problem right now with uh with eating eating uh uh easter candy after dinner and now I've noticed that it's like, okay, well, after dinner, I can't not do it. To, to your point, it's like now it's now it's there. I'm like, well, now great. That's something I have to break and figure something out. You're absolutely right. It's patterns, it feels like. So yeah, we getting through those in and fortunately, I think one of the things we can do if we're intentional about it or if we if we're attentive to it, is we can shift it. And it requires us to kind of face it as a fear. Because I don't know if this is how you feel, but this is how I felt. Like when I was stopping drinking or stopping that routine there was a sense of fear around not doing it anymore like what am I going to do I have to I mean it became so bad that it was like you know well it's it's Saturday night if I don't drink tonight I can't drink till tomorrow night mm-hmm. and that's like that's a long time you know so how am I going to make it through the night and it's just like this weird and so there was just this fear that I had to get over it that you know you realize okay that's why things like one day at a time are so powerful it's like all right just just take it today. Maybe it's just this moment. Just take it this moment. Don't have to think about tomorrow.
1: That's good. I like yeah. that. I can even relate to that. Like the, one of the things that I've been, and, and then we'll move off this subject because you got so much value to add. Like I want to get to it. I've been going through periods of time where, you know, you don't drink for a while. And then we go on vacation. Like we went to Mexico city like three weeks ago with the family and every day just like drinks. And then we're back for like three days, and I don't have drinks for a couple of days. And then, you know, we go to um, Buck Island, aerial BVI with the GoBundance guys. And I'm like, I'm not going to drink as much. But then, they I mean, they have these fantastic drinks. So I drink for like right. seven days straight. And it's like, I don't, I think it's just this, um, I don't know if it's an awareness or what, but I just, it takes a lot of intention to not drink. And I think that's kind of my next, maybe relationship or journey with this is like, okay, I'm intentionally, I've been working with Ryan Kennedy, who's another, you know, GoBro actually I have a call with him right after this and he's going to probably, you know, set me straight cuz um you know he's been like hey well can we set some kind of like you can have drinks but can we limit it to like 52 or 104 a year or whatever and i was like dude i could totally do only 52 drinks a year that's like you know one a week but then i'm like i've used 18 of my tickets in the last like 3 weeks right <laughs> yeah right. it's kind of kind of crazy
0: yeah even Even when you say that too, it's like when you think like of of doing like a a certain amount per, per, uh, per year, that, that drives me that, that one, like in my mind, it like, it goes nuts in my head because I, I was by all means, a binge drinker was like, I could not stop. So the idea that there is a, a, a set or finite amount that would just be like, that would be hell for me. I would have been yeah miserable in that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well. Um, I, I kind of mentioned Mike Chu, but him and I were having a conversation and, you know, he said, I I'm never one that thinks that you need to stop drinking or would even ever say that, but that's just been kind of the conversation that him and I have been having. So I think what this really all stems down to is I am probably toying with the idea of, um, you know, if I, if I can't drink less, I probably just need to not drink at all. And I think a lot of people are there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, it is one of those things where it's like, well, if you, if you think, If you think it's a, if it's a problem, what do you have to lose by stopping? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, what do you have to lose by, by not doing it? And there's no, there's this sense that like, you know, being in the, in, in the sobriety land is kind of this cult of people that are just like, you know, and, and what's been interesting is, is when I got sober and I stopped drinking and I would be in circles of people who were drinking. I would find at first that it was uncomfortable for me, like, because it was like, you know, other people are drinking. There's this expectation on me. Mm -hmm. Then I realized over time that it wasn't really my discomfort. It was the discomfort of others around being around me. It like was almost like this mirror that was put on other people to say like, Oh wait, you know, he's not drinking. And then, then it kind of forces other people to be kind of a little bit introspective on it. Mm -hmm. But, um, but one way or another, I mean like, yeah, if you're not a problem drinker, it's like, yeah, there's no sense in stopping. But if there's, if there's an inkling in anybody where it's like that thought of like, well, maybe I'm having too much or maybe I'm I'm drinking too much, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, give it a shot. And if you have, and if you're tr- if you're struggling, get a stopping on your own. There's communities out there, and there's no harm in 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 stepping into those. Uh, you know, again, one day at a time. It, it's just it's it's really kind of just looking at your own life because with me personally. I was going through my entire alcoholism, those that decade of alcoholism, which was misery to me. And I thought the only thing that was keeping me strong was alcohol, or the only thing that was keeping me sane was alcohol. And and I kept on telling myself, well, I I, I I'm not going to drink. I'll I'll stop drinking later, or I'll, I'll you know maybe I'll maybe we'll push that down the line. I'm but I'm too afraid to do it now. Don't want to do it because of this or that or the other thing. And then boom, car crash, you know, mm. DUI accident. I became something I hated. Mm -hmm. I sat in a jail cell wanting to, wanting to end my life. And, you know, it just, it went to that point. And that was the thing that got me to get sober, to have that realization. So for a lot of people, it's like, well, you don't have to have that level of realization. I'm not saying everybody goes down that path. Sure. But, uh, but it is one of those things of just like kind of looking at, at, you know, internally and just maybe even just journaling about it. Like, you know, how is, how is it serving you? And how would it serve you more to maybe just spend the next thirty days or sixty days or however, or just the next day, sober? How would that uh, how would that serve you versus the other way?
1: Yeah, you know, even when you're saying that, I I was there's been several times not not because of seventy five hard, but just when I'm not drinking, and you know I stay out with the Go Abundance guys or a friend or whatever till two in the morning, and I've also realized that like I would have never peeled back. Real I felt like crap the next day. Like I thought I was hungover and yeah. I wasn't even drinking. And so it's like these realizations. I I think, you know, there's there's this level where I would have never even known that like it's really as I mean, obviously alcohol is an issue, but then sleep, not having sleep is also another issue. But I would have never experienced that if I didn't start peeling that onion back too. So it's like,
0: yeah,
1: I don't know, it's almost like gamifying. Like, how do I get to level 17? And right. I don't I don't know how many people get to level 17 when they're drinking every day, really. I think that's what. I think maybe that's part of the conversation that's happening.
0: Yeah, especially in the group, like especially within GoBundance. I mean, you see that a lot. Is where, all right, how can I get better? How am I looking at other people who get better? What are they doing? Well, they're taking care of their health. And I mean, yeah, there is there is a there is a through line where it's like, all right, you stop you stop basically having that limiter on yourself, which is alcohol. Well, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna level up your 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 abilities to do things Mm -hmm. because there's other ways to wind down. There's other ways to rest and if you replace say alcohol with things like meditation or journaling or or you know empowering things you know man that's 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 going to level up your it's not it's going to compound on itself i mean Mm -hmm. talking to a bunch of investors that's you know compound interest on your on your mental state and your and your performance yeah
1: yeah wild well let's I mean, I guess we could talk about this all day, but if you could narrow it down to one thing that's had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be?
0: I mean, going on the same theme, I'll say sobriety, but yeah. I'll also be just to kind of mix it up a little bit. I will also say believing or or uh, pursuing triathlon to the degree I did, because accomplishing something in that degree really led me to to understand that fear can be a superpower, and you know, if we if we can appreciate it it can actually take us to new new heights and everything else. That's been a game changer for, you know, my my attitude and outlook in business and, you know, my self-belief and in, in every other aspect of my life.
1: Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, that's another conversation. I have just been surrounded by triathletes lately yeah. too that are just like, it. like every single one of them is just like, it's, it literally has pushed me through limiting beliefs like nothing else I've ever done in life. Yeah, yeah. Is that your experience?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, because it it was one of those things where the first time I watched the Ironman on television, I was still drinking. It was like 2006. And I remember seeing it on television. And I remember the feeling that it gave me. Because I remember uh, it was it was the annual broadcast of the Ironman World Championship in Hawaii. I was watching it on television. And I was like, so inspired and so amazed and like, just overwhelmed by like, these are like normal people doing this thing over 17 hours. And you know, what if I could do something like that? And the second that that thought came up, it was like excitement popped up, but then fear came to meet it. And the second that happened, like my my mind was like, oh, no way. Cause my brain verbalized all the fears with lies. And it said, no, you can't do that. You look at you, you're an alcoholic, you're out of shape. You smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. You're not going to be able to do that. That's crazy. But with a year of sobriety, I thought about it again. And I had that empowered mindset And then it was like this realization that, like, oh wait, you know what? That excitement and fear both popping up—that's kind of the signal that I might need to lean into the fear a little bit. So good, yeah, it was great, yeah. So, so it's it's been that game changer of like constantly leaning into fear, constantly expanding my comfort zone, Um, and uh, um, and yeah, just just being able to the personal growth that comes from it is is powerful. Plus, the community is huge.
1: Yeah, same. I was just talking with uh, Kelly Overly. Uh, Brian Overly's wife, and they were just having this conversation. There was I'm like, it's me and Kara and like six other couples that do like triathlons together and they're all talking about it. And she made this comment. She said, man, the first time when I actually went to one and watched it, she's like, I knew I had to do it. You were talking about it on TV, but she was like, yeah, if you want to, if you're like on the edge, just go to a live one and and it'll, the energy. And I'm like, I better not do that. <laughs> I'm going to get sucked in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it does suck you in. And, and I'll say, but it's one of those things that it's an obsession that actually creates more energy because of the way you're training, the way that you're feeding your, your body, the way that you're fueling it. It's like, there's certain activities that, that we do that consume energy that also create energy. Mm-hmm. And I'm of the opinion that if that's those kinds of things, if if they fill you up and you're surrounding yourself with those people, you're, de- you're building this energy that that can be used in other ways. I mean, I I was... People often ask me like, well, how did you train for something like that and still go to work and do all that stuff? I'm like, well, it's easy because it fed on each other. I mean, it mm-hmm. was just like this this virtuous cycle of like I was building energy through working out. I was able to think better through ideas, I was able to be more effective and yeah. Uh, and yeah, more better use of my time.
1: I love that you said that because I was actually going to go there um, talking with uh, Kelly Overly again. It was um, she was talking about what she the training time that she averaged, and she said, you know, sometimes it was three hours and sometimes it was two. and And my initial thought was like I couldn't train for three hours a day, but then like I started thinking down the path that you were just talking, and I'd I'd like to ask a question around this. You know, sometimes people think like I can't have a morning routine because I need to get to the office by five or I can't yeah. work out or I can't have any thinking time. Whatever it is. And I like, I'm hearing a theme here as we're talking through all this, it's like, we have all these limiting beliefs or, you know, boxes that we put ourselves in, whether it's our alcohol vice or whether, you know, I can't spend that much time training, but I loved what you said there. It fed on each other. So can you give us like a few actual practical examples, like with work, um, do you actually see a difference when you're training?
0: I do. Yeah. So, and I mean, it kind of, it, it developed my, one of my core philosophies about time, like how we use our time. I mean, you think about people, I mean, we're surrounded by high achievers, people who are like, you know, just crushing it in, in different areas, right? And it's it's not because they have more time. It's just how they use their time and mm-hmm. and how they're... And so I, I look at it as a formula that really there's three elements that go into the amount of time we have in those 24 hours uh, per day. And it's really... It's a pro- time is a product of energy, efficiency, and emotion. So if you can create, you can create more energy in your life. You're going to have more time because you're going to be faster thinker. You're going to be a you're more productive thinker. Think about when somebody's drinking; they're drinking through the night and they're affecting their judgment. So they're not going to be able to you know produce more creative ideas or anything like that during that time. And they're going to wake up hungover. They're not going to have a great morning routine or anything like that. So there's the opportunity cost to drinking. Right. And then, uh, but the, uh, but if you're focused on building energy, say with a morning routine, with whatever that may be with, with, with like 20 push-ups just to start the day or dancing to pit bull or whatever it might be. Yeah. I'm not saying that I danced to pit bull, which, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, uh, uh, but or cold shower, you know, things like that, they build energy and that kind of increases the amount of time you have because it gets you more focused. Then it's efficiency, which is just really, Consolidation, elimination, or delegation. Right? You're going to consolidate things in your day. You're going to delegate the, the right things. I mean, those are all the tools that we work with, and uh, and eliminate the things that you don't need to do, like drinking or you know Netflix or things like that. That's a way to build time. And then emotion. How much time do we spend with other people renting space in our heads, or mm-hmm. you know, or 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 uh, emotional conflict that happens in our minds? That's you know something I deal with constantly with a with an anxiety disorder, but things like you know the the uh, uh, you know trying to you know going to therapy and spending or investing the time to work on that stuff. So I like to look at the time. There's there's the two buckets. There's the and it, just like an investment. There's the investment bucket. There's the time you invest to get more time back. Right. That's time you invest in in exercise, time you invest in therapy, time you invest in different things in your life to build more time. And then there's the the budgeting. How do you budget your time? How do you build out your day? How do you schedule it out? And those, those are really the kind of the two, it's just like finance and, um, and you can be really abundantly wealthy with it if you do it right.
1: Yeah. It's such a good point. It's, it's, it's reminding me of a, cause I, I mean, I think the more the more efficiency and all of that that we look for. There, there's a guy that's in uh, this group that we're in called Wellspring. His name's John Madsen. And he runs a company called Superfit. He's an ex Raiders player. And he made this, he made a post a while back that just like stopped me in my tracks. And it, he said, The reason why most successful entrepreneurs will not find their health, and I'm paraphrasing this, but they will not find their health is because it's the only thing that you can outsource. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we're so used to just like outsourcing and finding efficiencies. And it reminded me, uh, not last December, but the one before I went to the champions event and they had David Sinclair speaking. And, you know, if, if you were there at the event and you were a champion, you could like get a discount. Um, I think you would work with Sinclair's, you know, longevity team for like 55,000 or something. And which is like wow. a $25,000 discount, some, you know, crazy discount. And one of the Go GoBundance guys, I'm sitting next to Kara and one of the Go GoBundance guys asked me at dinner that night, he's like, so are you going to do it? And I said, man, I think before I spend 55,000, I, you know, should probably be consistent in the gym. I should probably start drinking less, like all the things that we're talking about. And it's just like calling my attention back to like, you know, at the end of the day, it's these little, I don't, yes, I could go to Costa Rica. Yes. I could do stem cells. Yes. I can do all this longevity stuff, but honestly, like, I don't need to spend $55,000 to, you know, create a 90% vertical in my life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's. It, it is one of those points. That, I mean, the first thing, the free thing is to start building the habits. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know what to do there. We're what we, we've all done it in other areas of our lives. We just have to get lit up about it and, 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 and make the, make the changes, but, and then, and prioritize it. Uh, so yeah, the physical health is, is huge. And that was one, obviously, yeah, that I learned from sobriety was that like, okay, well, if I could do that, then it's like, okay, well, I can focus on this. And Again, it compounds on itself. The more you can build on that, the more it compounds on itself. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. What was your
1: greatest setback? What'd you learn from it?
0: Greatest setback. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to certainly my DUI accident was uh, was definitely the biggest setback, and what I learned from it was it was a lot of lessons over time. I mean, I think I've had the most lessons from that over over time that I've even looked back and just say, oh wow, that's 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 it. But you know, what I've ultimately learned, I think that that is the best uh, lesson that I could have from that is that I was fighting fear. And when you fight fear, in the way that I was trying to suppress it, trying to push it away, trying to do all that stuff. um, It's a losing war. And Mm. I had to look at it differently, I had to redevelop a relationship with it and really embrace it. And so I, i I I learned that, and I think one of the important lessons I want to share with anybody out there that's struggling with that, because I remember the absolute hopelessness that I had while I was sitting in the jail cell. uh, It it was literally like, okay, my choice is I can either kill myself or I can get help. And I'm lucky and I'm fortunate that I went in that direction because it was just absolute hopelessness. I felt total lack of control. But the miracles that I've seen in my life beyond that moment have been amazing. Just so much grace. So much of God's grace exists in my world today because of that terrible moment, that terrible decision that I made. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it it seems insensitive to think of it that way now, but it it is also a perspective of if we're living in no regrets and no shame, we can grow from our worst experiences into something that can hopefully serve
1: the world in a better way. Mm, That's good, man. I love that. What is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most?
0: Um, embrace fear is the is that's kind of the biggest one that I that I share a lot because it's it's because I think was, especially over the last few years when we were going through covid we we heard from regardless of what your thoughts on it were we heard from a lot of sides it was like don't live in fear you know don't be afraid of the mask don't be afraid of going out in public don't be afraid and it's like oh you know it kind of got me thinking about like well fear exists for a reason mm. and i and i understand the 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 point of where everyone was going with that but Fear exists for a reason. It is either there to tell us that we're in danger, which is good. Avoid the danger. That's probably wise. We want to avoid danger. But it's also there to push us up against the comfort zone. So we should probably listen to it. Mm-hmm. It's also a signal. So we need to actually like listen to fear and tell us when when we're when we're going to it. So do be afraid. Do experience the fear. And then let it be a guide to the direction you should go as far as what you should pursue. And don't let it keep you from what you should pursue, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, totally. On that note, um, we recorded a podcast episode a while back. That's going to be airing sometime around the same time as this. So if you're listening to this episode, um, Adam has a podcast called flow over fear, right? Yeah. 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 And thanks for being on the show by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And you know, I, I was just, I want to mirror something back to you because of all the guests that I've ever had on the show. Um, and it took a little longer to get through those questions because I think well, number one, we spent so much time and, and maybe it's my curiosity around it on, on the alcohol part, but I don't know that I've ever talked to somebody that has their, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but their purpose and their message, like so dialed in that, like, I mean, all four of these questions weave in the same thread around fear. And I mean, that's obviously your podcast, but flow over fear. So I just wanted to kind of mirror that back because as you're answering the questions, it's like you you're you're really anchored on your message and your purpose.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean it, it and I think it it's it's come from a lot of work as far as trying to you know figure out what that message is, of course, but most of my life, you know, the vast majority of my life and and by the way that like the clarity of that, the clarity of what I'm doing here and finding that and having the courage to kind of maybe come out and 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 do this. Thanks to go for that because you guys showed me, you know, how we can live more authentically and, and really lean into, you know, this kind of thing in, in a more powerful way and and just like become better uh, human beings. So that's just, you know, that's been a huge stepping stone for me. But throughout my whole life, I just didn't, I didn't really have clarity on what I was. I just fear existed with me all my life. Growing up, I was always afraid to hang out with other kids. I was always afraid to, you know, um, I, I was always terrible at sports because I was just intimidated by being on teams with and letting other people down. I was always there was always just this worry. I always hated didn't hate, but I always was afraid to talk to other to, to girls because it was like I don't. It was just this this fear that was in me. And in college, it turned into severe panic attacks, mm-hmm. like just just incredible panic that stuck with me for you know that next decade and. One of the most powerful messages that I heard in in early sobriety, which really stuck with me about that whole message, was that when I learned that it wasn't about the alcohol, when, when somebody had said, it's not about the alcohol. It's not about getting over alcoholism. It's about transcending the person we once were. And I love that word, transcend, mm-hmm. because it it literally means to rise above. And so when we rise above who we once were, we can become that better version. So that's kind of the theme of like, Rising above fear, continuing to rise up, that we don't have to fear fear, but when we embrace it, we actually rise above it and we can achieve more. We just have to redefine that relationship with it. Second, I re- redefined my, not the second, it took a lot of work. Over time, as I redefined my relationship with fear, I was able to live with anxiety and also use it to my advantage to be able to grow as a person so that the anxiety I feel today is not it's definitely less than it was when it was at its worst more because I I know it, but it's still there, but I'm able to play at a higher level mm. because I can just keep pushing against my comfort zone a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of playing at a high level um, and I appreciate all that conversation, um, you, a lot of people might be listening to this and be like, Oh, he's like a, you know, a coach, or like a performance coach or something, which you probably are on your day-to-day uh, job. But you run a very successful organization. Um, I wanna I wanna take a few minutes and talk about this. We got about nine minutes left. Cause I, I think I think we kind of owe it to the audience to, you know, discuss the business side of things. And I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I'd like for you to touch on um, you know, business in general, like what motivates you, what's got you excited? Tell us a little bit about, you know, your experience, but also I'd like for you to touch on the legacy because you're really involved in a family business. And I think this audience. Really needs to hear more of this. Like, why are we doing all of this? You know, you talk a lot about first gen, second gen, third gen, fourth gen. Um, and the reality is like we're only here for a short period of time. So I'd love to just kind of turn it over to you to just kind of riff on that for a few minutes.
0: Yeah, absolutely absolutely. So I, I do run a fourth generation family business. We're celebrating our hundredth birthday uh this year or anniversary. I don't know, birthday or anniversary, I don't know what it is, but um, but yeah, so uh my great grandfather started it, um, and uh, has since you know grown into a successful chemical company in the western states. So all over California, Arizona, Utah. And I think one of the things I would say about legacy is that as I've learned and as I've grown through what we would call this family business, uh, which is you know which is truly still a family-owned business, one of the most important things that I've learned is that the legacy is it, it, it transcends. There's that word again. The family. It it involves the the culture of the business, what you represent to the world, your values, what you what how you hope to show up in the world. And I've come to learn that, you know, a lot of businesses strive to to be a family, right? I mean, we hear that a lot, like, yeah, we're a family. We're, you know, not just a family business, but we treat each other as family. And I think the more important thing to strive for in, in my experience in, in working with family is, is that not a lot of people have the family relationship necessarily that is empowering or or works well together. I think more so when you look at at, at an entity, say like abundance or something like that, what do we call ourselves? We call ourselves a tribe. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's that tribal aspect is everybody's aligned. Everybody's going in the same direction. Everybody knows their role. Everybody is giving value and creating value for this bigger purpose that's i think what what makes and creates a successful legacy within an organization if you can build that and you can build like the rallying cry behind that that's where you have have the power that's where you have a very powerful organization and and not not powerful in the sense that that came off but a a thriving a a, a more a, an entity that serves the world in the right way in in the way that you want it so i think those are important elements become a tribe
1: I love that. There's that old phrase, as you're saying all that, you know, blood's thicker than water. I know it's cliche, but also there's so many of the tribes and, you know, groups and and people. I'm, mean, by the way, I'm close to my family and uh, Kara's family. We're super close to, but when you bring up those tribes and just the communities and whether it's, you know, sobriety or whether it's, you know, go abundance. And when we're, when we're aligned around these values, like what an important statement, that's crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah it's so, it's so true. I mean, I've I've, I don't know if this has been true for you, but on, on on my podcast when I'm talking to all of these amazing people, it's like the common theme that they bring up is community mm. it's like the community they surround themselves with the community they work with the community that they that they're built around uh, I, I think that is the probably the number one uh, biggest uh, part of how we grow
1: yeah I agree with that 100 percent so good yeah. yeah well, what are you
0: excited about? I'm excited about, uh, I'm, well, I'm excited about celebrating our, uh, within the business, I'm excited about celebrating our hundredth anniversary within the next few months. I I mean, I think that that's, that's just exciting. And we're building on that uh, legacy by continuing to implement tools. We've been implementing EOS in our company for the last uh, year and a half. And it's been really narrowing our focus onto the right things. It's helping us to make the right decisions, helping us to move in the right direction, Helping us to have the right conversations and the difficult conversations around how we grow. These are conversations we haven't had in the past, and I think um, anybody that I, I think one of the things is that most companies and we certainly know knew this, and I knew this before implementing this, is that we all knew the difficult conversations we needed to have, needed to have, but we weren't having them. Mm-hmm. And so now we're starting to have them, and they're starting to make the changes we need to make. And so, uh, so that's what I'm excited about in the business in terms of how that's, that's, you know, growing. And of course, I'm, I'm excited about all of the great things that are happening in my family. I've got two wonderful kids who are, you know, in high school or my daughter's in high school and my son's, uh, in middle school. I'm excited that I get to go and, uh, we get to together learn karate right now and and start nice. to develop, develop that skill together. Um, and, uh, and travel together. So there's a lot, a lot of cool things I'm excited about. On that front. That's cool. Yeah. Man.
1: Well, I really appreciate you being on the show. What you know, you got a lot of amazing things going on. I mentioned the podcast, um, where can people find you? Is that the best place? What well, if they, I don't know if they want to find you at, sobriety <laughs> <laughs> yeah sobriety.com you can
0: find me in the yeah. <laughs> no i'm uh yeah my, my website is adamcliffordhill.com. yeah my middle name is clifford and uh unfortunately but uh yeah i had to use that for my website but uh that's also my uh, instagram handle adam clifford hill uh, at adam clifford hill and yeah reach out to me if there's anything you want to uh chat about and um yeah and flow over fear you can check out on apple podcasts and all that stuff
1: yeah when uh you're here in this episode I think mine will be live, so listen to That's this, right. and then go listen to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Mike will be. Mike was. It was a great show too. So uh, come listen to it. And thanks
1: for uh, thanks for having me out, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate your time and um, conversation. Yeah, it was man, really great. Yeah, appreciate it. If you found value in this episode, and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom.